Thanks for checking out the Wake Up Real Estate Podcast. Ryan and I are both so grateful that you're here. To check out the full video replay, subscribe to our YouTube channel, Wake Up Real Estate, or you can find the YouTube link in the description on whatever podcast platform you are listening on. Without further ado, enjoy the show. According to my computer. Okay, guys. So welcome today uh, to this, our weekly kind of mortgage, uh, I don't know what we're calling these, deep dives, right? Sessions. Yeah. Uh, Josh has done the first few. I'm new here, so be patient with me. Uh, so our topic today is uh, five, is it five or seven non-QM programs? I, I, I did, we did five, but I put two bonus in there because I thought it was important. So I, I have a total of seven that we'll talk about today, but um, you know, five main ones with two bonus. Yeah. All right. Well, let's start at the obvious spot. I, I think a lot of people listening might know what non-QM means, but I'll let you, I'll let it come from the horse's mouth, so to speak, the, Jordan. Yeah. So non-QM is essentially uh, a not a qualified mortgage. It's not a VA loan. It's not a conventional loan. It's not an FHA loan. It's not one of the government products. Uh, it's not a VA loan. Uh, but it, it's basically a product that is outside the realm of uh, traditional mortgages. Okay. okay. Um, so what percentage of loans would you say fall under this category? Uh, before or after I went broker. Um, so so it, it depends on what, who you work for, right? Really at the end of the day and what their product mix is. So on the broker side, you're going to have a much higher percentage because you work with more banks with more products, okay? Um, I would probably say 30 to 40%, surprisingly. Um, so if you're working with the direct lender, um, and I'm not trying to call out names, I'm just giving examples, okay? Um, some of these direct lenders do have non-QM products, but like Cross Country, Wells Fargo, Bank of America, they don't traditionally have a lot of non-QM products, okay? They have a few maybe, uh, but that limits you. I mean, you could be losing out 30% yeah. on your business, you know, somewhere what do they around there. What do they typically do? You know, so the person working for Wells Fargo, they typically just tell the client they can't help them, right? I, yeah. So, and I don't think this is intentional. I never think anyone has bad will, you know, with uh, with people. I, I like to have given them the benefit of the doubt. Uh, but I'll give you an example. I'll give you a very recent example that we pre-approved someone on. And Josh actually used this example on uh, a, v- a VA webinar we had on in, in one of our coaching sessions as well. He had a lead, which was uh, uh, a VA lead. Okay, They were turned down by the bank because the bank had a 620 credit score overlay. It's the same concept. They don't quite fit in the box. So they say no because they don't realize that there's another another option out there that they could refer it out to our, you know, our agents. I just had a conversation with someone yesterday about a grant program locally. Uh, I know there's programs out there that I might not have. Now we have 220 lenders with over 40,000 products. So it's very rare uh, that I can't find at least something. But uh, but at the end of the day, like I want to make sure my agents are making more money. So we we typically would refer refer you know it'd be, if we know about an option that doesn't work with our bank, we'll refer it to another bank, right? Um, it's just very rare because we have so many lenders. Uh, but yeah, th- to answer your question, Wells Fargo, I don't think it's intentional. I just don't think they know that 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 a product is is out there really more right. than anything. That's and exactly not- why we're having this session too, is because most real estate agents don't know that product's out there either. Right. So if you're, you know, if you see somebody's not being approved and you know they're going through a direct lender or a, you know, some a bank or something, um, you can always say, hey, why don't you talk to a broker? 
basically. Yeah. Yep. So if they get denied by a direct lender, anybody like um, you know, prime lending, cross more, you know, cross country mortgage, uh, you know, PRMG, anybody is direct lender, I would always get a second opinion from a broker just in case. I like to go back and I and if you've ever been to one of our calls before, I always reference the three pillars or the three legs to a stool, right? Um, we can be missing one of the legs, but that's usually when we start falling into non-QM is when we're missing a leg. Credit, income, assets. I don't have enough money, DPA program, because I have good credit, good income. I don't have a job. I have a large down payment, good credit. I can still get a loan with non-QM products, right? Those are the what, you know, those are those products were made for is for someone that it doesn't quite fit the box. Great. Okay. So let's, that's just kind of the introduction on them. Let's get into what these five are. And if you don't mind, I'm going to take notes for everybody. Um, just so, yeah, so I don't forget to, so I might share my screen up here and uh, we'll just kind of have a notepad going. And then after I can get, we'll get these notes to everybody who's watching. Um, so you see my screen, Jordan? Yes. Okay. So yeah, you go ahead and let us know which one you want to talk about first. So I, watching. I, yep. Yeah. I, I'm, yeah. I think everyone can see. Yeah, I'm saying anybody watching, if you have questions, just drop oh, yeah. them in the chat or the Q the the uh, Q and A, and we'll we'll do our best to get to them. Yeah. Okay, so I would say the most common, the uh, probably the easiest, and we like to refer to these as a self employment loans is bank statement programs, right? Okay, so bank statement programs, uh, the 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 fundamental part of the bank statement program is that they don't go off tax returns. So a lot of our real estate agents are um, run their own business. They own businesses, right? They're 1099 or to a certain degree. Um, we can actually go through and qualify people off their bank statements. Typically, the norm is 12 to 24 month bank statements. They typically want to see you in business for at least two years. Uh, but, uh, you know, the idea behind it is that you guys could go out, market yourself to self-employment buyers as an option of not necessarily qualifying off of a traditional loan. People think they need a conventional loan to buy a house. They think it's like better for them. I'm going to give you an example where it's not. I actually talked to a client for one of our LOs the other day that was really hemming and hawing because she switched her business to where her accountant, she was making like $300,000 a year. Her accountant's like, we can't do this. You're paying about $100,000 a year in taxes. We got to switch this up, right? Um, and then she dropped her income to where they almost deducted everything, right? And so he actually sold her a house a few years ago. And then when he came in, she qualified off a bank statement program, but she didn't qualify for additional financing. And then she really thought she was getting a worse deal because interest rates are a little bit higher. Well, if you do the math on it, would you rather pay $100,000 in taxes a year or would you rather have a 1% higher on your interest rate on your mortgage? I promise you, you're going to spend more money in taxes almost every time. So uh, these programs are designed for people to be able to be business owners and, you know. um, So business owners, um, you know, I actually did one once uh, and I did a refi like this a couple of years ago where my money flows into my wife's account. I guess you've probably done this, Jordan. So, you know, for whatever reason, uh, the spouse has the bank account. You can, you can do it off that too, right? Correct. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, it's not necessarily, um, we use it traditionally for business owners because that's the the most common you run across, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, But there's the, the other situations we use bank statement loans for 
maybe we have a W2 uh, uh, nurse that is right. traveling and her contract's expiring, right? She's a traveling nurse and we can't get her to qualify in a traditional program because she doesn't have quite two years, you know, and be able to show that. that a bank, you know, a bank statement loan would, would replace that, right? These typically do have higher down payments. Again, yeah. when you're missing the income, we're missing the income portion. Typical down payments are anywhere from 10 to 20%, depending on credit score. Yep. Okay. Credit scores do go lower on this with the higher down payment. Um, so if you have closer to 20% down, you go down to like about a 620 credit score. Uh, but I would say range, you know, from lower to uh, probably 620 to, but you want to see roughly at least a 660. Yeah. 680. 680. Okay. And then uh, credit scores go lower. And then you probably already said the interest rate tends to be a little. Yeah. A little bit higher, about a one to 2% above the rate, depending on credit score. Right. If you got an 800 credit score buyer, it's not going to be that big of a difference than, than conventional. Okay. So, and, and it's as simple as just providing the bank statements, right? Yeah. Uh, It's not, honestly, people overthink non-QM products because they're not traditional or that it's a worse uh, of a deal. Uh, what we do is we just get their last 12 months bank statements. We send it into the lender ahead of time. Most of these lenders have a calculation team for bank statement loans, and we get it back within 24 hours, 24 to 48 hours. We know very quickly whether, on how much income we can use. And they're, they're, the guidelines are pretty straightforward. It's not anything that's in, and since you have the bank statements, you already have their assets, right? Uh, you know how much in the, are in accounts as well. So, um, it's not yeah. as much paperwork. You don't have and a lot of times they'll your tax returns. You a know? lot of times one of the conditions will be uh, to have assets in the bank account to close, right? Like they're yeah. they're, they're looking right at it, but they, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I know. It's it's yeah. one of those things where you got to point it out to the underwriter. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> but yeah. So, okay. okay. So uh, provide the bank statements, um, you know, ahead of time, and there's kind of less that can go wrong then other than an appraisal. Like the, yeah. these loans. Like it's not, it's not a, uh, it's not a pass or fail where traditional loans, like if you lose your AUS, you got to do a manual underwrite. It's almost, it's, it's, it's very clear, right? It's, um, it's not as complicated as people seem. Now, one of the things that, uh, just for you guys to know, if you're trying to, you know, think about this for yourself, right? Cause a lot of you are self-employed, um, they use about 50% of the income. So if you're, you're, traditional there are more there are some lenders that do more some lenders do less and depends on credit score and different situations it's not an exact science but i would say the typical norm is if you're bringing in ten thousand dollars a month right and gross gross uh income they'll use 50 percent of that so yeah. they'll use five thousand dollars for qualifying ex- uh, expenses i was going to ask and, about dti like that that's kind of how they do it they do do that. They do that to, to break down the income. Usually it's 50% of the deposits. Now you can get a letter from your CPA, which is fairly easy to do, uh, that says that your expense ratio is not 50%. And some of those lenders will raise it to 70, 80%, depending on what your CPA letter says. Okay. So, so typically getting real deep there, but yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> about 50% of the deposits. Yeah are used okay well that's a good one i mean that's a good one to know because you can do a back of the napkin kind of yeah i wanted i wanted really to go deeper on this one because most people in this room are self-employed right it's uh it's uh definitely a a model you can do okay great 
Now, uh, let's say you have a PL model. Maybe uh, let's talk about PL loans. Um, PL loans are, uh, I'm sure everyone knows what a PL in here is, but it's a profit and loss sheet, you know, of some, you know, some sort, whether it's over a year or six months or three months or two months. But a PL loan is where a CPA writes up your PL. You don't use bank statements or and you don't use uh, tax returns. Um, you have a, have to have a certified CPA or your CPA or your tax accountant um, basically writes out your profit and loss that you have for the last 12 months. It can only, I have even a one month PL loan. Uh, but those typically, you know, again, you're you're doing larger down payments okay. a little bit. You know, they have to have pretty decent credit scores. It can't be in the 500s. It's got to be in the mid 600s. Okay. Mm-hmm. So the the CPA writes it out. Um, the tax return is not needed on the PL PL. Do you need tax returns on the bank statements? No. Okay, that's the reason you're doing it. The, sometimes they, uh, you know, this, this has happened before, and we'll talk about a loan here where they, they do ask for tax returns. If they do ask for tax returns, they're not using income to calculate it. They're just going to make sure you don't owe a bunch of money and back taxes more than anything. Okay. Right. Okay. So, you know, it, sometimes they're like, we want to see, you know, how, how bad your tax, you know, how bad your, you know, taxes are if you owe anything. Um, typically, you don't go very long. Okay. Great. You no. Know? Mm-hmm. So, CPA writes it out. Does it, does the CPA, like, does the underwriter scrutinize that PL statement? Like, do they, do they call the CPA? They and- go, they go over it. Yes. They do go over it, but it's not as, you have to understand, an underwriter is not a CPA. The two, yeah, I know it seems weird, you know. I think I we kind of you know look at underwriters of these all god beings, right? And right. They, they they there are many underwriters that I prove wrong on many many occasions with the tra- traditional loans. So, um, you know, they're they're a regular lender like everyone else. They have black and white guidelines, right? And profit and losses, or you know, whatever that CPA writes out, it's typically they, they're going to typically use. Okay. So yeah, and we don't like guide them, and we don't tell them, "Hey, you know, CPA, write this up for me." It's got to make you know a little sense. Uh, but at, at the end of the day, you know, you know, the CPA will have to sign off of it. Typically, they won't sign off on anything that's that's incorrect. And so, CPA, not a licensed tax preparer or anything, it needs to be like a licensed CPA. It has to be a licensed individual. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And we have it where businesses have their own PLs, and they just have their CPA right, you know, sign off on it. Got it. Okay, so P P and L, like so, what? How many of those do you do compared to bank statement? That's the thing is if they're if the CPA typically CPAs are not going to sign, especially since they're licensed, they're not going to risk their license, you know, or you right. know, getting into a situation. Bank statement loans uh, are uh, easier unless they have a shorter business. Maybe they moved a business account. That's sometimes the challenges like with uh, businesses is maybe they reform the business or change business accounts. Maybe they have been in business for two years, but they switched businesses. Okay. Um, a profit and loss in that situation would 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 be a better solution. It's almost like a relief valve, release valve for a bank statement loan is the best way I can describe it. Okay. It's yeah, like, that's what I was going to Yeah, it doesn't yeah. quite fit a bank statement loan, you know, and then you, you can do a profit and loss. But that's the thing is, that profit and loss doesn't have to match up to taxes. They don't get taxes or anything like that. So you can minimize it in the terms of their expense ratio too. 
But that's where bank statements, you can just have a letter. That's where that letter comes into place. If you have a CPA write your letters and your expense ratio is not 50%, they'll use okay. more. It's the same concept as a PL. That's so what the bank, PL is. Bank statements are easier to think of the PL as a, if the bank statement doesn't work. Um, it's probably similar plan. terms, credit score, down payments, and all that stuff with the PL. Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So again, business type loan, self-employed loans. You have many, many people that that just seem to go to their local uh, interest credit union or whatever credit union get denied. And then they just, it takes the wind out of their sails and they don't think there's any options like this out there. There are absolute options like this out there. And they don't realize that it actually saves them more money. That's the thing is that they these have um, a lot of... Uh, negative condensation, you know, connotations that where I'm not doing a traditional loan. So it, uh, uh, it costs me more money. Well, mine on the mortgage, but if anybody knows, you know, about, you know, business or, you know, the best way to become rich, pe- rich people stay rich because they don't pay taxes. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it's, it's getting them uh, to, to look at it from that perspective of the overall financial picture and not just the mortgage. And, and they may qualify for more this way or probably. Yeah. Do. Oh yeah. Quite a bit more. Uh-huh. So that's another reason to use a bank statement loan or PL loan is, is because they, maybe they're on their taxes. They claim the little too little and they want that $500,000 house, but they only qualify for two fifty. Right. right. This would be a, a scenario that you can you can approach them with. Great. So okay. what's number three? DSCR. Oh, yeah. I like this. Okay. One. Yeah. DSCRs are a great product. Um, they what are much more <laughs> debt service coverage ratio. Yeah, right. Right. Mm-hmm. OK. OK. So these are more your investor loans. Um, and I'm going to talk a little bit later about a, a bo- one of our bonus products through that for owner occupied. But basically, think about it this way. Let's say Judy. I'm just using Judy because I can see Judy on my panel. <laughs> Judy um, has a client uh, that owns a ton of property and on his taxes, it's wild and he's deducting things and it's crazy and we can't and, and they want to buy another investment property. Okay, a debt service ratio coverage loan is a 1007 will be completed. A 1007 appraisal is just a form that's completed when the appraisal is done. It is a rent valuation. So it's basically the the appraiser is going to decide, okay, this property, I think in this market area is going to rent for X amount of dollars. You know, right. uh, we want to see about a one to one ratio traditionally. So if you're if the mortgage payment's fifteen hundred, we want to see the appraiser say it's fifteen hundred. Okay. I have lenders that go down as far as 0.65, so almost half. Okay. Wow. All right. But the, the but the problem is, and I have lenders that will require no ratio at all with like 35% down, but typically it requires higher down payments. Um, you'll see these loans down payments uh, from 15%. So think about that. An investor loan, uh, does anyone traditionally hear a 15% down investor loan? No, we do have a DSCR lender that allows to do it. It does have higher rates on it though, right? Your cap rate's gonna be suffer a little bit. Um, the traditional is 20% down and depending on what your DSCR and your credit score is, it, you know, it, it'll go down lower. I've seen them go down as low as 580 credit scores. 
Credit score. Yeah, credit score down to 580. I bought I bought one this way about three or four years ago. And I remember uh, because of the rental amount, you're just it's just ringing a bell. We had to put like 5% more down. Yes. Uh, but yeah. we were we were thrilled to, you know, like we didn't need the 15%. Doing 20 was like, okay, because we wouldn't be able to buy this property anyway. Yeah. yeah. So what it also helps with is when you have multiple, multiple properties with um, clients. So like, for example, you have a client with 15 loans. Well, people don't realize this. You can't have more than 15 loans with conventional. FHA oh. doesn't allow you to do investment. Uh, you can't have more than eight. Eight is the max. Um, I think for Freddie Mac, I have to double check that rule. Eight to 10, I think. But uh, after that, you're pretty much a business at that point, And you, you need to you need to start doing business loans. These are business purpose loans. Um, some report on your credit, some don't. Um, the, the, the other aspect is you can do them in bulk. You can do eight units, you know, where maybe a conventional loan investor property will only do a four unit up to a four unit. These can be multifamilies up to six, eight, almost okay. like apartment complexes. Um, and, uh, and it can be blanket loans as well. I have, I have lenders that will blanket up to 150 houses. So if so you, you have can... a big, yeah, you can blanket them as well. So if you have a portfolio, say you got your VA guy who's been building up from a few weeks ago, he's been building up his portfolio, you can then come in with one DSCR and, and just... Yeah. And we don't qualify off of income. This is a no income loan. Okay. Yeah. I want to make that... I, that that's a, I don't think we established that in the beginning. Yeah. Just down payment and credit score. And, and what the house will rent for uh, projection uh, based off a of projected rent. Down payment, credit score, and, and projected rent. Okay. Mm-hmm. okay. Yeah, these are cool. Uh, and then the interest rate is usually like a point, like kind of like the bank. Yeah, it's not, it's honestly, it's not, it's, it's, it's very comparable com- uh, to the, um, so let me back up. So conventional recently came out and they, they made it harder for second homes and investment properties. They tightened up their portfolio. You would actually, if you price this out, they're almost the same, almost the exact same as a traditional mortgage. Okay. Um, just because this year, you know, um, to keep their portfolio tight, they tightened up. They tightened up on uh, pricing with the uh, conventional, traditional financing. Okay. So I would say traditionally one to two percent higher, but right now they're not. They're 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 about the same. Okay, great. So yeah, this is one definitely. If you know any investors, maybe you've sold houses to in the past, um, and you just want to reach out and reconnect, ask them if they've. If they consider a refi, you can do cash out refis with these and things like that too, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Cash out refis with no seasoning guys. Yeah. Like that's a big one. Like seasoning cash out refis with no seasoning. There are new seasoning rules for traditional mortgages when you're cashing out on a property. So let's say we have uh George go out and buy, you know, have a client go buy out a property. They renovate it and then they try to cash out. They have to wait 12 months. There are no more six-month seasoning requirements in traditional mortgages. DSCR loans don't have seasoning. A lot of them do. Most of them have minimum of six months, but I have lenders with three, and then I have lenders with no seasoning. You'll take a little bit of hit on rate, but that's that's the extent of it. Um, prepayment penalties. I didn't ask on the first two. I know some of these can have them. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, is that right? I, I think yeah, it did. That's why I'm asking. So DSCR loans do specifically usually, yeah. um, but you can buy out of them. So you can price out of them. Okay. So the 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 max is usually three years, um, and it's usually two percent. I think it's two uh, percent or less than the loan amount. 
Um, but uh, we, I mean, I, we priced out a loan today that was a one-year prepayment penalty. They planned on, you know, renting the house out for, for you know, at least a year, you know, flipping it, you know, doing whatever. I don't know, whatever. They want to do a one-year prepayment and that's fine. Okay. Um, but otherwise, these are, these are becoming fairly common, right? There's a lot of lenders that, that do them. Yeah, no, they are they are the uh, new kid on the block. I would say, right? It's yeah. uh, they are they are more and more common with banks. You're going to see even larger and larger lenders like UWM. UWM is a very very good lender on traditional mortgage side. That's typically uh, more geared towards you know higher end credit, A plus credit bars. They just came out with DSCR loans. So even the big boys, right? So that that competition is good for everybody because yes, it, yeah. it drives it all down. More yep. competition drives drives uh, drives the uh, prices and costs of these down. Great. What do we got next? Uh, I ten is a very uh, popular one, especially yeah. in certain states: California, Arizona, Florida. Um, yeah, Florida. Um, I ten loans. Um, I ten loans typically require higher down payments. Um, you're looking anywhere from ten to twenty percent down, typically closer to fifteen to twenty percent down range. Uh, they do What's require I-10 credit. Stand for for everybody, uh, uh, I ten is basically someone that is not a legal resident of the United States. Non legal resident. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. So typically fifteen to twenty percent down. Mm-hmm. Uh, they do require a credit score. I know that seems weird, yeah, okay. uh, but they typ- they typically require a credit score. Well, how would you um, have a credit score? So you need a work history. Here? I'll give you an example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have a work history, but you don't need a work visa. Okay. Uh, and then we'll get into kind of visas here in a minute too. Um, but let's say uh, you came here for a short two year stay, right? Um, you don't get reapproved. They give you a EIN number that you can use. That's almost like used as your social or, or an I-10 number. Okay. Uh, and that is used uh, typically, you know, all the way through. Right. So you ha- you get you get provided something. They almost give you something similar to a social. Okay. When you come and here. That gets originally. connected to paying your utility bills if you get a credit card. Yeah. And yep. you build a credit score. Yeah, you build your credit score from there. Okay. So these typically require credit score. There are some that don't. Um, it's just uh it's a lot harder. I mean, you're talking much more money down, you know. Because right. think about the pillars, right? Income, credit, assets, you gotta have more money down. Okay. And then that's like hard money loan style, right? That's, that's hard money 35% down and and they, they will, they'll ignore everything (laughs) kind of stuff. Yeah. So non-legal resident, but you do need, you do need some kind of legal status here, I assume. No, they, they don't, they could be deported at any, any given time. That's the risk factor. So uh, now when you get into visas, Okay, uh, visas, visas. There's a lot of different types of visas. You got L1As, L1Bs, L1Ys, right? Executive level visas. Most of the traditional pro- products and programs qualify for those. Um, so if you're talking to someone that does have a visa, absolutely get get them with us. Um, we have people that are specialized on our team specifically. Um, uh, people coming in out of a state. We have two people: one from Ecuador and then one from uh, one from Canada. Right. So there's executive status visas um, and all sorts of different types. If they have any sort of visa, I want to talk to them. So you know, um, and, and see if we can do a traditional route. 
Oh, so you want to go traditional, but what would you ask somebody if you suspect they might, the ITM, IM might be a fit if they have a number? Like if I, if I have a client as an agent, you'd say, do you have an ITIN number? Uh, yeah. Yeah. If they have a number, um, they could do a number, but usually, I mean, are you legally here is yeah. a question, uh, you know, more than anything. Okay. Um, they just don't think they can buy. I mean, they, 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 they have no idea. Um, right. Assume they can't buy. They they assume they can't buy. And this is a good, you know, we we all get messages, uh, you know, hey, I'm looking for a rental. We get a lot of we get a lot of these on our ads and stuff, right? Everybody, so yeah, ask why. Why are you why are you looking for a rental? Right. And sometimes they're scared to even tell you, um, you know, because they they have to report it or something like that. But um, but that could be all of that could be all of these programs. Yeah. Um, you know, why are, why are you looking for a rental? You know, somebody might be asked, they, they might be looking in the three to $4,000 a month range for a rental. And it might be because, yeah, they know they don't have good tax re- tax uh, returns, right? Or, or yes. So mm-hmm. they just assume they can't buy. So by providing some of these options, you can kind of help somebody get into a, a home. Just knowing about them is more than, more, more than, more, more important than anything. Yeah. Okay. okay so ITIN, what's next? For national. Is that the same thing? No. <laughs> I, I, I didn't know that until just now. <laughs> yeah. It's not the same thing. Uh, it's uh, typically, again, it's larger down payments, but it's people that don't necessarily want to live in the U.S. or don't live in the U.S. or maybe they want to live part time. Mm-hmm. Right. People moving to Miami, second homes. Um, we have a lot of people from Canada that want to invest in the U.S. Um for national programs, we our team specifically knows uh, the equivalent. I mean, we have like charts that will give you the equivalent of W twos with you know T twos and, and and certain things, tax returns for their tax returns. Oh. Um, we we will translate or figure out how we can translate the tax returns from their language to our language. Those are those are foreign national programs, right? So you those use the documentation, international documentation. Yes. Okay. But when you're when you're talking to someone from like an I ten, right? That's why I want to talk to them, you know, side by side here. Um, they're here, living here. They're not. They don't have documentation from Mexico, gotcha. right? Of them doing X Y Z. This would be someone from literally Mexico wanting to buy in the U S. Um, you can do that and not not have a a, a legal residence here. Um, it can be in investment properties, businesses. We can put it in LLCs. We can put it in. Um, um, second homes, things like that, and use international uh, documents and credit scores. So somebody who's sending their kid to college here um, yep. from another country, instead of paying rent for the dorm for four years, they, this is an option. Yeah, but absolutely. Four national programs. Yep. Yep. So cool. uh, typically larger down payments, uh, you know, still they'll, they'll need decent credit scores, stuff like that, you know, income. They have to prove their income. Um, so how do you, yeah, it's just very interesting from an underwriting standpoint, they, you're just looking at whatever they have from that country. And if you've done it before they're equivalent, there's currency precedence. exchange, all kinds of stuff, right? Yeah, so yeah, uh, it, it, it just depends. It depends on the lender. Each lender is different, honestly, on these. Um, I don't want, if we start getting super deep on this, we'll get real deep on it. And yeah. I don't want to go too deep. I just want you to know that they're out there. They're out there and, and people can buy in the U.S. with foreign national programs. It, it fascinates me because a lot of us speak other languages. So if you speak another language, like I was talking to a gentleman from India today, um, you, you know, about marketing his business 
And I said, well, why don't you run some ads in Hindi or whatever language he, you, because you can do this on Facebook, like in that language oh, yeah. to those native speakers. So if you, if you happen to speak another language or, you know, you can appeal to these people and then you can just directly run an ad like, Hey, have you thought about, we have a, we have a gal on our team. Her name is Cynthia. And, uh, She's she's a, she's originally a mortgage broker from Canada. She's like 10 years in Canada, right? And she works on her team. And uh, this is something that she specializes in. She, was she, she going to run ads a, in Canadian? Angelese. She does. She does. I'm well, not, not Canadian, but they, she runs <laughs> Canadian specific ads, right? I know. I know what you're saying. You're making a joke. But she does. She does uh, run. A, she does market herself as someone that can help them buy in the U.S., Right. So does Angelise with people out of Ecuador and other countries. She does the same thing. She markets herself in that 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 regard. So exactly what you're talking about. There's lenders that do that all the time. And guys, these are I don't know if the term would be blue ocean, but you know, while everybody else in your market is going for the same conventional buyer, you know, who already lives in town, you could be out there with a Facebook ad, you know, down in Ecuador or in Brazil, writing the ad in Spanish, you know, offering, hey, we've got a way for you to buy a condo in Miami with this specific. Mortgage program. Typically, your uh, buyer is a higher quality buyer too, higher price point buyer as well, right? right. So, like uh, Angelis uh, has one right now for one point six million in Florida. They're putting they're putting thirty percent down. Right. Yeah, and some and sometimes that buyer just needs to get the idea planted in their head. They, they they're not thinking about it, but you just you know this is this is creating business out of thin air instead of waiting for you know fighting over yeah. the same small pool of people who qualify here now. Yeah. yeah. But again, that's where we go back to these programs. They can make up 30% more of your business, right? Yeah. They can, they can increase your business volume with your clients. Um, and that's the whole concept of, of, of what we do is, is, is to increase your GCI, right? That's why we have over 220 lenders. I promise you it's a pain in the butt to know 220 lenders and what they do. Uh, it's not a, it's not fun. There's a lot of sheets and in, in, in tracking involved and exactly how to, how their process works and stuff like that. So um, but we do that because at the end of the day, we want to make sure that we have uh, uh, the most pre-approval ratio that we can possibly give you and the most opportunity to be able to sell houses is the goal of these. Yeah. So uh, we're getting some questions. Let's knock these out real quick, Jordan, and then we'll go to, yeah. go to the rest. Both, uh, bonus, so guys, yeah. I, I did just drop the doc to everybody and we'll email it back out with the with this replay later as well. Um, DSCR can be put into an LLC, correct? For yes. Wendy? Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Will you share um, these notes? Yep. He's doing it right now. <laughs> yep. Is the DSCR cash out refi required to be in the name of the business owner in LLC or can, can it be in the LLC's name only? LLC named only, but they do qualify off your credit. So... Uh, it's not going to be, it's just going to be in the LLC. Anybody that is typically more than a 25% owner has to be on the loan. So if you have a 10%, let me, let's say me, Ryan and Richard own a business, right? Me and Ryan own 40% each and Richard owns 20%. Richard would not have to necessarily be on that loan. Okay. But me and Ryan would have to be on that loan. Uh, but it depends on each lender. Each lender is different. Okay, so in the terms of when I say be on that loan, I mean use our credit to qualify, right? The LLC itself is the only thing on that loan. Gotcha. And then, how long does it typically take to fund? I kind of know the answer. They're quicker, aren't they? Uh yes oh. and no. Depends on the lender and depends on the program. So I'll give you, you know, I'll give you an example. Okay, I've had DSCR loans fund in fourteen days if I can get an appraisal back, right? 
Um, bank statements can fund very quickly. I can get, I had a DSCR where it was a save deal. I got it disclosed, appraisal ordered, title work ordered, and through underwriting in 24 hours. They can be quicker. And then you have other lenders, maybe they're more aggressive or maybe they have lower credit score well, requirements or, you know, the one I on did what... where they just wanted silly things or yeah, the the... doesn't know what they, <laughs> yeah. So there's, there's certain programs that can take longer. We yeah. warn, we, we want to always warn you guys every time you're going under contract, if, if we feel that lender is not as consistent or a little bit slower, right? So they can be longer. Um, there's one specific lender that is, it's called change wholesale, but they have a great product. We're about to talk about like a fantastic product yeah. for our clients. Um, and, uh, they are, are slower. So we usually ask for 45 days on those. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So is that the one we're going to talk about now? Uh, yeah, that is a bonus, which is our change community program. This isn't in all of our States, uh, uh, but they are in specific States, but it's a, it's a owner occupied almost like an owner-occupied DSCR loan, but there is no rent schedule. So it takes one factor out that you need. It's an owner-occupied, no-income ratio loan. No-income ratio loan. Basically, let's say, Judy, I'm going to use the example again because I can see you on my panel. Sorry. (laughs) So Judy wants to buy a house, but Judy does not have any tax turns. Her bank statements are all trickled out through eight different companies and they're all over the place. We can't we can't get her qualified off bank statement. She can't find a CPA that will tell her to do it, that she can do it. Um, this loan with 20% down and a 680 credit score, they will not check your job at all. There is no income. Okay, they do go to a lower credit score that go as low as 640, but... The lower the credit score, the higher the down payment it goes up to about 30%. And this is, so it's based on the property that's being purchased. Uh, the what? What so, is? So I, I'm sorry. Let me say it another way. This isn't just for refinances. I've experienced no, it as a refinance. It's a, it, it, it's a purchase. Okay. Yeah. So basically it's a purchase or refinance. Um, so if Judy had a client says, Hey, hey, I can't qualify, but they have 20% down a good credit score. Typically I can still fund that loan. I can get that loan done. Interest rate. Uh, interest rate, typically one to 2% higher than the market. One to two. So if the market's at 7%, you're looking eight to nine. So if you've got somebody with cash and a credit score, you should be able to put them in a house. Yeah. Almost every time cash is king. It always, it always is. Uh, cash and a good credit score will get you. Again, three pillars. Missing a job. I've done it where people just don't even have jobs. Like they, you, you'll get in some time in a realm. I talked to a lady once before where she's just uber rich, right? And it's like, I don't have income to really take out a loan. And maybe they, we don't have enough for an asset depletion loan, which is basically, hey, you have so much money in the bank that we can just take it off. You know, that. Or, 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 you know, retirement accounts or something um, is if, you know, if we withdrew it over 36 months, I've done it where we set up trust and things to work around this, but this is what I would call a backstop option for that, for that lady. Um, there are programs out there. I know we're not talking about traditional mortgages, but there are ways that you can really get creative with traditional financing to get very wealthy people qualified for mortgages by creating a temporary trust, paying out 30, you know, 36 months of payments and using those payments. 
as an example. But this specific loan is, let's say we can't do that and there are no options at all. If they got a 20% down with 680 credit score, we can get it done. I think I think this one is really interesting right now because so many people have a lot of equity. Oh, yeah. I've tons. built up a lot of equity over the past few years. And you can use this to refi. Um, yeah. And now cash you're not out. Supposed to- you're not supposed to use it to, but, and the cash out would be your 20% down comes out of your equity, right? Um, yeah. So there's not, it's just your equity position. It goes, it, it, it cashes out up to 70%, 70, right. 70, 75%. So right. if, if you have a million dollar house and you owe 500, you can pull about 200,000 on it, right. but then you could turn around and buy more property, you know, right. whatever you want to do. And you could turn around and buy more property with DSCR loans and not income qualify there too. This is exactly what I did, guys, personally. This I'm a big fan of this one because it it just fit our situation for whatever reason. You know, my wife's been home with the kids. Businesses, businesses, stay-at-home wife, whatever right. it is, you know, owning multiple businesses, having a great tax accountant. <laughs> right. It right. just it just depends on what it is. And uh and uh we, you know, we can yeah. still get it done, you know. Yeah. So so and this is the sort of thing like you might be able to help a client, maybe you don't end up doing a side. You know, you help them with this refi, but they'll they'll remember, or you might enable them to buy an investment property or or you know a second home for a relative or something like that, right? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. La- last bonus program, ten ninety nine average, ten ninety nine. What is this? So this is for ten ninety nine employees. You'll run across this a lot, where you got a ten ninety nine employee. Maybe it's a, I don't know, what's a good ten ninety nine employee besides a realtor, um, contractor. Know. Contractor, waitresses, wait, you know, yeah. you know, just depends on what it is. Maybe well, they get any paid commission, a lot of cash. Any commission salesperson, car. Yeah, commission salespeople. Um, yeah. Mortgage lenders are unique because we're W two commission uh, typically, but uh, just because state by state they require certain rules. Uh, but the ten ninety nine average or ten ninety nine program is made for ten ninety nine people that get a lot of cash, right? Yeah. So uh, let's say uh, Mark is a a a contractor he contractors multiple companies go out there and he he puts up framing and his his uh his construction boss gives him a lot of cash right and mark doesn't put that cash in the bank what mark does is he puts part of it in the bank and spends most of it right and he doesn't claim it on his taxes we have an issue right at that point gotcha at 1099 he's deducting off his off his taxes so we can't use the tax returns to do it we don't have the cash in the bank account. So this program specifically just averages two years. So if you're 1099, if you made 100,000 in 2021, 100,000 in 2022, it's a straight uh, 24 month divide. Huh. It is simple. Um, uh, can this work for K1s too? Uh, yeah. Well, K1s are going to be more traditional like uh, taxes and you, you, you take okay. your K1 and add back in. A lot of your K1 you can add back into anyway. So when you're talking about S corps and things like that, it gets okay. into a whole new realm of things. Okay. So averages two years of 1099 returns. You're more likely to be able to go traditional with on your K1, by the way. Okay. So this is for that person that's like, I'm a waiter. I'm, you know, I'm a construction worker. I'm a, or a realtor or whatever. Yeah. Well, realtors are not paid necessarily in cash, though. That's the thing. Okay. It's like they get a cashier's check, they gotta go put it in their bank. Bank statement loan is gonna be, probably be an easier loan for them. Okay. Right. So, or they, you know, we have a way to trace it, right? That cashier's check, that title company, you know, writes out to your check. You're either giving it to your broker and your broker's paying it out to you, or you're, you're, you're cashing it yourself, your own, your own broker owner. Um, there's a way to trace that money. Um, sometimes when you work in certain fields, 
sometimes there's um, just not a way to trace it, right? There's no way to go through the bank statements or because they they use cash and they pay cash for a lot of things. So the 10, maybe I'm losing something here. The 1099 is the report that the IRS sends. Yeah. The, yeah. The, well, it's the your employer. The employer sends to the Yeah. To the, yeah. It sends the IRS in January. So instead of going off tax turns, instead of going off bank statements, we're just taking that almost okay. like W-2 or 1099 and averaging it. Got it. Bigger down payments on this, closer to 10% to 20%, better credit score, 660-ish. Better credit score. Okay. Yeah, so if, you're, a, if, if, you're, it, if you have multiple gigs and you're working for multiple companies, you're a consultant or something, you know. Good to, I, I, I've done it for uh, musicians. Yeah. Uh, they go around to musicians and those the um, the concert venue pays them cash or whatever. Uh, you know, people like that, you know, okay. in general. Um, if they're not doing their taxes where they're saying, oh, okay, I, I, I made this much money, maybe they're you know, they're not going and doing that and they're they're saving money on their taxes. It puts them in the same position as, you know, they are self-employed. 1098 people are self-employed, right? They're contractors. <clears throat> yep. Mm-hmm. So uh, Richard was asking, does the uh, owner-occupied no-income ratio loan require seasoning? Or would inherited money still qualify? Uh, I think seasoning is six months on that one for owner-occupied. Six months uh, seasoning of the funds, of the down payment funds? Of title, so what? Not not the down payment funds. So oh. the, the when we're talking about seasoning, um, it de- it depends on whether it's owner occupied or investor occupied. DSCR loans don't require seasoning a lot. That's their like, hey, you know, that's our marketing, you know, tactic, right? With some some banks have no seasoning, others don't. But when you're talking about owner occupied, it's a different ball game. People don't like to give no ratio loans to owner-occupied. That's why this program is so unique. Um, they don't want to give you a loan um, that you're going to live in because it doesn't have, there's most less likely for that loan to default if you are making money off of it, right? Um, okay. Now, when it comes to seasoning, I, I'm pretty sure it's six months. I got to double check the guideline on that one. But uh, on a refi, on a refi itself, on a purchase, there is no seasoning on purchases. You mean you have to own it for six months? That's the seasoning is. Yeah, okay. before you can cash out. So, like, if I turned around, let's say my name is, you know, Ryan. I go and I buy a house in Pennsylvania a month ago. Uh, change is not going to, and I'm living in it. Change is not going to necessarily say, uh, "Hey, I'll let you pull all that equity out <laughs> now because you got a good equity position." Gotcha. It has to season. That house has to season. So, seasoning is how long you've owned the house. How from the moment you hit title. So for example, where a situation can be an issue is let's say mom or dad titles over your house to son. Do you qualify for an FHA loan to cash that money out at that point? The answer is no. You have to wait 12 months. You can't touch that house for 12 months. You can't refine and pull the equity out. You can sell it, but you can't because it's not seasoned from the title, the transfer of title. Yeah. So, but if mom wanted to do a DSCR loan on it or something like that, or he wanted to do, if we could try, you know, find a program that didn't require any seasoning requirements, we could do that. Can we throw all the traditional loans? Yeah. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to, I'll let you finish that point. Yeah. Uh, Basically, what I'm saying is uh, seasoning is something that you have to think about when someone's like buying and then immediately pulling money out. So, if you're buying and immediately pulling money out, the seasoning requirements are will. yeah, kicking. 
Mm-hmm. So almost all traditional financing pretty much kicks you out for seasoning requirements. So you didn't have this on your list and we don't, I don't think we, maybe we do work here some, but hard money. Um, I have four, I have 4,500 lenders. For hard money. Yeah. Cause they're everywhere. Okay. They're everywhere. So this is more like private, private equity. They're, they're a pain to work with, but they can fund very quickly, right? They, they're high costing. Um, they usually I just did it the other day. Way. Yeah, they take an arm and a leg. It's like, hey, yeah, I'm going to charge you $13,000 up front. Yeah, I'm going to be honest with you guys. Yeah, take 12 points and then, you know, know, whatever it is. And and plus another 10% on on your rate. Um, Only investment properties, properties More more investment properties are more common, right? But that's where we come back in to where hard money is. Is you can do hard money on owner occupied. But again, they're going to take your arm and a leg every time. It's a... this is very common with fix and flip properties. So if you have investors that want to do fix and flip, you, um, a lot of hard money lenders want to help you like do your project because it's a short-term project and they get their money back. We do have 4,500 hard money lenders. Okay, let me preface this first. I typically do not try to charge my money on top of that. If I'm giving you a hard money lender, it is my last resort to get you a closing. Okay, right. we do it. Not often in the terms because we usually can get the loan done or they're not able to come up with the map. You know, they're not able to give the arm and the leg or they're just like, that's a real bad financial decision. Um, but it is something that I have referred out before. We just refer it out. Well, this is what well, I'm talking about is I'm more concerned with our realtors making a sale and that the client is happy versus us not being able to do a loan. Yeah. And I think the point I was trying to make with hard money is if you have somebody going hard money, Help them look at some of these other options first. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. So they're 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 a dime a dozen, and sometimes you know they'll they'll say yes, 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 and yes, and then you don't. But here's a big thing about hard money too. They'll fund in five days. Yeah. Like it's quick. It's well, a quick turnaround time. A lot of times, most of those guys are doing it because they look at the property and they're like, "Well, if I have to foreclose, I wouldn't mind." With my yeah, terms, I wouldn't I mind taking, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind, mind taking, taking a property. 35, yeah, 35 percent on you. You know, they're yeah. putting make you they make you put like 35 percent down or 30 percent down plus charging you points and in and, and fees. And typically they're local because they're like, okay, well, they 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 do this as a back end way to acquire more property, kind of. Um, mm-hmm. uh so uh Richard's question, if you, can you see that, Jordan? Yeah, um, I was asking about seasoning of assets. If someone inherits a million dollars, otherwise, you, nope. So seizing assets. So if you inherited money, that's seasoned money, number one. Uh, so like if, uh, you know, Judy or, or Andre or whoever got money, but, you know, ran into some money, as long as it's traceable, it's seasoned. Okay. Um, in the terms of, of pulling money out on a refi, you know, that seasoning is more title seasoning when you're on a purchase. We have lenders for investors that have do like I'll give you an example. Amwest they don't have seasoning requirements um, if it comes from a bank statement that's been open for two months. So if you have a random deposit with Amwest of ten thousand dollars, right, and you're doing a DSCR loan, a business loan, um, it's uh, there are no seasoning requirements as long as the account's been open for for two months. If it hasn't been open for sixty days, then they require seasoning. So, but I would say like one of some of our main lenders are 14 days for, for non-QM products. They're about 14 days. Beautiful. It's not traditional loans or FHA is 60. Conventional is about 30. Um, yeah. And they want to know where those monies are coming from, especially when you're getting a government loan. 
Got it. All right. Well, so this was seven, maybe eight uh, non-QM programs. So I'm going to do seven non-QM. Uh, guys, these, this can definitely help you do more business. As Jordan said, probably about 30% of loans that aren't cash deals. Um, there's a lot of those going on. Happen this way, right? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll put together uh, this document and the replay and email it out to you guys. But we have a little more time. If anybody has any more questions and you guys want to chat that in or be unmuted, let us know. Anything else from you, Jordan? I don't have it. Yeah, I don't have anything else. I'll just be here hanging out, answering questions. Yeah. Right. And if so. you guys have anybody, you know, if, if if this jogged your memory, either for yourself or for somebody you know, uh, and you want to talk to our team, Jordan, what's the best right way right now? Uh, best way is each and uh, reaching out to either probably me. I'll put my information in the chat for now, yeah. and then some of you have met our production managers, and they've reached out to you if you already work with our team, yeah. um, and you you'll refer directly to them. But if and, obviously they don't answer, you can always reach out to me as well. Yeah, Josh and I are always an option as well. If yeah, you need us. But I think a lot of you guys on, you know, you're either doing V qualifier with us or, or we're partnered in some way. Just just reach out. Um, yeah, you could build, you know, thinking about the niche, the marketing side of this, you could build full businesses around any of these programs, like DSCR alone. Um, you can almost advertise that program to investors in your market with postcards or ad, you know, Facebook ads and, and kind of drum yeah. up a lot. And, that, and that's where you get with us on it. Like we yeah. we can look up specific guidelines. We never want you to push anything that we can't pull through on, right? Of course, you know, the, we kind of gave you the basis from high to low on these. Uh, but, uh, if we want to do ads or, 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 or cards or anything like that, you know, get with us, we'll help you help you build that, build it out. So it, it sounds right. Yeah. Get some more in, get some to talking to us, get some yeah. more pre-approvals, more pre-approvals equals more houses. We just got to get them shopping and motivated more than anything. Yeah. So, okay. um, I think we'll be back with this series next week. I don't know the topic, Jordan, if we have one, uh, we're going to be coming off of the holidays. Yeah, we, we, uh, I'll talk to Josh. Uh, Josh is not here right here, but I, I know he has something in mind that he wanted to talk about. I just don't know exactly what yet. So for me, I, I just put it together for him and it's off the top of my head. Yeah. So we'll probably see you guys next Wednesday. Uh, in the meantime, have a, you know, a great holiday. Great 4th of July. Yeah. Great 4th of July. And again, just reach out anytime and we're here if you have any questions. All right, let's call it a day guys. Have a good one. Thanks again for listening. You can check out full video replays of the show on our YouTube channel at Wake Up Real Estate, or you can check out the link in the description on whatever podcast platform you're listening on. Thanks again, and see you tomorrow.